MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, December 17th, 2021. Today, Phil Waldron, the ex-Army PSYOP guy who briefed Trump, members of Congress and Mark Meadows on the coup PowerPoint, has been subpoenaed by the J6 committee. A judge has denied Fox its motion to dismiss Dominion's voting $1.6 billion lawsuit. The Houston cop that ran an air conditioning repairman off the road and held a gun to his head because he wrongly thought he committed election fraud has been indicted. Former Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale says the 1-6 committee has subpoenaed his phone records. The Washington Post puts out a wholly inappropriate op-ed calling it news. A racist COVID-denying judge is put on unpaid leave for using a racial slur. And Dems put the Build Back Better bill on the back burner to focus on voting rights. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody. On my own today, flying solo, I will be joined later by Amy Carrero to discuss the good news submissions that you've sent in. If you have any good news or corrections or confessions or holiday photos or recipes or anything you want to send in, you can send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Top story today is that that coup PowerPoint guy, Phil Waldron, has been subpoenaed by the 1-6 committee. But I'm going to be talking about that later, along with the ridiculous Washington Post headline I talked about in the show, later in the show, with the host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner, former federal prosecutor. And, um, you know, there's a lot of of last minute news going on here today. Um, I I have to say um, that, you know, I had to sort of do a very fast script rewrite at the end. And and one of the stories that popped up very last minute was a a judge in Delaware, I believe, has denied Fox. I don't call them Fox News. It's just Fox. Uh, They had filed a motion to dismiss Dominion's $1.6 billion defamation suit. That's the voting machine company because of all of the lies that uh, Fox News told, excuse me, Fox told about their company and also endangering uh, a lot of their employees. And a judge has said that that suit can go forward. They, the judge denied Fox's bid to, to dismiss that case. So we will stay on top of that for you as well. Um, we have a lot of news to get to in addition to those three new things. Uh, but, um, you know, like I said, two of them I'm going to talk with Glenn about in a little bit. So for now, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, we have an update for you. Refried beans, if you will. Take a listen to this clip from our show exactly one year ago today, December 17th, 2020. And this is this is a, actually a horrifying story. A former Houston Police Department captain was arrested and charged for running a man off the road and pointing a gun at his head. For why, you ask? In an attempt to prove claims of massive voter fraud scheme in Harris County. This is according to a news release from Harris County's DA's office. Mark Anthony Aguirre, 63, was arrested by Houston police Tuesday and charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, a second-degree felony punishable by up to 20 years in prison. According to the court documents, Aguirre told police that he was part of a group of private citizens called the Liberty Center who were conducting a civilian investigation into the alleged ballot scheme. So there's this civilian group that's decided they're going to go be vigilantes on the roads in Houston. So according to Aguirre, he had been conducting a surveillance for four days on a man who was allegedly the mastermind of a giant voter fraud scheme. Aguirre told authorities the man was hiding 750 fraudulent ballots in a truck he was driving. 750,000. 750,000 fraudulent ballots in his truck. I mean, how fucking big is the truck he was driving, first of all? Well, he's just an air conditioning repairman, I guess. And oh the, my the, goodness. The, and when cops showed up and he had he had this guy with a gun to his face and he's like, look in the truck, look in the truck. And they looked in the truck and it's like air conditioning equipment. <laughs> I mean, Giddy ran his SUV into the back of the truck, Allison, to get the technician oh. to stop and get out according to court documents. <sighs> So when the technician got out of his truck, he 
He pointed a handgun at the technician, forced him to the ground, put a knee on his back until the police came. Now, I know sometimes we inappropriately throw around the word crazy. This is absolutely, this this is a mental problem with this guy. This is crazy. Gideon allegedly yeah. told police that he had been paid a total of 200, I don't even understand this number, $266,400 by the Houston-based Liberty Center for God and Country with 211 $400 of that amount being deposited into his account the day after the incident. So this guy took what appears to be a $50,000, $55,000 down payment. Am I doing the math right? I don't understand any of it this. It seems right. The numbers are weird. Yeah, the numbers are weird. Uh, it's Trump University math. <laughs> I think they do that to not raise red flags. Like if it were $250,000 even, somebody might go, huh? But yeah, no, oh people still go, Huh? And I also love the Houston-based Liberty Center for God and Country. Whenever the, 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 the words and country follow God, you can just throw God out the window. Oh, my God. The, the story, though, on the officer, he worked for HPD for 24 years. Mm. Now he's been indefinitely suspended after a botched raid. He's been, not even that, he's been indefinitely suspended after a botched raid outside a West Side Kmart in 2002. He's in jail on a $30,000 bond. This guy's a mess. I'm so mm. glad no one got hurt, uh, as far as terrifying. I can tell in this. It's terrifying. I mean, I know I, la- I was like laughing, but this this is terrifying. This is stochastic terrorism. It's the definition of it. Um, I just received word, actually, that he is out on bail. Oy. Vigilantes don't understand that law and order doesn't mean you get to do it. Right. <laughs> Well, we have an update on that story. Mark Anthony Aguirre, 64, has been indicted on one count of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. According to Aguirre, this is a quote, he had been conducting surveillance on the victim for four days under a theory the victim was the mastermind of a giant fraud and that there were 750,000 ballots in a truck he was driving. That's the office of Harris County District Attorney. Instead, they continue, the victim turned out to be an innocent and ordinary air conditioner repairman. Aguirre rammed his SUV into the back of the victim's truck to force him to stop in the October 19th, 2020 incident. The repairman stepped out, but Aguirre pointed a gun at him, forced him to the ground, and put a knee on the man's back. There were no ballots in the truck, only air conditioning parts and tools. That's according to the DA's office. Aguirre got $266,000 from the right-wing group Liberty Center for God and Country to do this work. That's according to authorities. Quote, he crossed the line from dirty politics to commission of a violent crime, and we're lucky no one was killed. Uh, That's Kim Ogg. She's the Harris County District Attorney. Quote, his alleged investigation was backward from the start, first alleging a crime had occurred and then trying to prove it happened. The repairman, uh, David Lopez Zuniga, sued right-wing activist Dr. Stephen Hotze in March, blaming him for funding the directing uh, of Aguirre's actions. Quote, Dr. Hotze financed a project to investigate allegations of voter fraud, Hotze attorney Jared Woodfill told KTRK. What an independent contractor chooses to do is not Dr. Hotze's responsibility any more than if you or I were to hire an investigator or a contractor to do something for us. And while doing it, they broke the law. (laughs) Aguirre was fired from the Houston Police Department way back in 2003 for his role in a street racing raid where 278 people were arrested. So... That guy's been indicted. No idea why it took a year to indict him. He was arrested a year ago, though. And in a Roger Sullenberger exclusive from the Daily Beast, the January 6th committee now appears to be looking into former Trump campaign manager Brad Parscale, with Parscale telling the Daily Beast late Wednesday night the committee investigating the attack on the Capitol had subpoenaed his phone records from November through January. Parscale said he had just received a notice from his phone carrier earlier that day and agreed. He said, I had nothing to do with January 6th. Um, He has not played an active role in the campaign since a month before the election. The Guardian reported in September that the committee was considering a subpoena for Parscale's communication. Parscale said, I have zero to hide. Asked about the prospect of testifying, Parscale told the Daily Beast, all of this makes me think they want me to turn on him. The him in the statement would be former President Donald Trump, Parscale's boss for nearly two and a half years. Asked whether he would appear if asked to testify, he didn't reply. The Daily Beast has not seen a copy of the subpoena, and uh, a spokesperson for the select committee would not provide comment. Parscale fell out of Trump's favor over the spring and summer of 2020 amid personality clashes and behind-the-scenes maneuvering among other top Trump world figures. 
Trump demoted him in July and cut the relationship off entirely in late September after Parscale went through what appeared to be a personal crisis. His wife had called the cops to report um, that Parscale appeared unstable and was alone in the house with a loaded gun. Parscale was medically detained, but not charged. Remember the video of him being tackled by the cops outside of his house, walking out with a beer in his hand? Now, despite his distance from the campaign after the election, Parscale admitted in a Fox interview last December that he had long known about Trump campaign plans to stoke unfounded fears about rampant voter fraud in the 2020 election. In fact, Parscale said he was a founding architect of the scheme, which he claimed was a well-funded public relations and legal operation with the Republican National Committee involving lawyers everywhere. Okay, let's break this down. Parscale can testify to the January 6th committee that the big lie was a scheme and that he was a founding architect of it. And it was well-funded by the RNC. Right now, the RNC has paid $1.8 million or so in Trump legal fees, even though he's a private citizen. I wonder if it's because they're concerned that the RNC has run afoul of the law by participating in the big lie. Parscale said, in April of 2019, I sat down with my team and I said, let's come up with the biggest election day operation ever because voter fraud is going to be rampant, he said in the interview, adding that if it's not going to be rampant, everyone's going to think it's rampant or they're going to game it. That's admitting right there to the Daily Beast that even if there wasn't voter fraud, we should say there is. Sounds an awful lot like that one of those private DMs on Twitter that Don Jr. got from WikiLeaks. Trump's former data guru told Fox the proposal was the largest budget ever of Election Day operations in partnership with the RNC. Funded. Funded by the RNC. Hmm. Taking that note right now. They would have lawyers everywhere, file suits beforehand, protect beforehand, Parscale said. He continued that the plan fell apart between July, when he left, and Election Day. And that's a question. I don't know exactly what the answer is, but from everything I'm hearing, it didn't occur. Mm, yeah, it did. There is, of course, ample evidence that a stunningly similar plan did occur. Trump and his surrogates sowed baseless fears of election fraud and lawsuits and lawyers everywhere. Starting months before the election and a number of Republican lawyers filed state level lawsuits ahead of November 3rd, challenging new voting regulations to accommodate COVID-19. But at some point, Parscale's planned barrage shifted focus to a coordinated effort to challenge the results. And the man who replaced Parscale, Bill Stepien, appears far more involved in that effort. Stepien was subpoenaed by the committee in early November, and his testimony was slated for this past Monday, but his appearance was reportedly delayed because he's been, quote, engaging with the committee. I imagine those records can't be crime-free, by the way, the phone records from Parscale. Um... And they might be wanting to use something to pressure Brad to testify about the big lie and being an architect of it. We shall see. We don't know. They could have corroborating evidence being handed to them by Stepien as we speak. And a Louisiana judge is facing a flurry of complaints and calls to resign after a home video footage appeared to capture her family using racial slurs in the aftermath of a burglary attempt. Lafayette City Court Judge Michelle Odinette has asked for, quote, forgiveness and understanding after the video emerged this week. In the footage, which was first reported by The Current, an unidentified voice, apparently a member of Odinette's family, can be heard laughing about mom, the judge, shouting a racial slur at a burglary suspect. The video was shot at the judge's family-watched home surveillance footage of a thwarted car burglary at their home. I want to play a clip uh, of this video for you with a very dire warning. Uh, for content, extremely offensive language. Let's listen. Turn the lights on. They're like, pull up, pull up. And mom's yelling, nigger, nigger. Oh, Ken, we have a nigger. It's a nigger. Like a roach. Look, I'm, oh, that's me. No, that's me. I came no, from the backside. Look, he trips over the lights. <laughs> he trips. <laughs> he trips. <laughs> I was the only one running. That's me. Kenny Ken, was right. standing. I'm the one that took him down. Kenny's just standing there. Uh-huh. He lied. It's almost his wallet. Yeah. That's my phone where it fell out. The dude had a phone on him. He should have taken his phone and stolen from him, that fucking asshole. Now, rather than resigning, Odinette has decided to take some unpaid leave. Her lawyer, Dane Ciolino, I think that's pronounced, C-I-O-L-I-N-O, said in a statement reported by NBC News late Wednesday, she's humiliated, embarrassed, and sorry for what she's done and the trouble she's caused to the community. Tomorrow, she's going on interim leave without pay 
And as far as what will happen in the longer term, she'll have to deal with that in the weeks to come. Unquote. Odinette previously claimed that she was given a sedative at the time and had zero recollection of the video and the the disturbing language used during it. Invalium veritas, you racist piece of shit. And finally, President Joe Biden's social spending and climate policy bill, Build Back Better, has stalled in the Senate, all but extinguishing Democrats' hopes of passing it this year, you know, before Christmas. Joe Manchin, as we know, who alone can block his party's plan, has not signed off on the $1.5 trillion proposal as his party waits to see whether it complies with Senate rules. We just found out that the parliamentarian won't let the immigration piece in. Uh, But it means any vote on the bill will likely slip into 2022 when the coming midterm elections will only heighten the sharp political pressure surrounding the bill. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on Wednesday said his party will continue working on getting getting the Senate into a position where we can vote on it. Uh, He did not mention his goal of approving the plan by Christmas, a target date he has repeated for weeks. Asked Wednesday if he believes the bill can pass this year, Biden said, I hope so. It's going to be close. Failure to pass the plan in 2021 will have some impacts. For example, the enhanced child credit tax credit of up to $300 a month per child will expire at the end of the year unless Congress extends it. The last payments to families went out Wednesday and the Build Back Better Act would renew them for a year. Manchin on Wednesday denied a report that his opposition to extending the bigger child tax credit is holding up the bill. He said he's always been for child tax credits before growing irritated with reporters asking him about the legislation. Quote, I'm not negotiating with any of you all, okay? So you can ask all the questions you want, guys. Let me go. This is bullshit. You're bullshit. I'm done. I am done. Democrats are considering options to continue the child tax credit through a separate bill, but it's unclear how they would pass the extension. They would not get 10 Republican votes to break a filibuster. And as the bill hits the wall, the Senate will turn its attention now to other priorities. Senate Democrats have discussed tools to bypass the filibuster and pass voting rights. That is their main focus right now, um, to pass voting rights in the coming weeks with, again, no Republican support. But they did just raise the debt ceiling with a filibuster carve out. So there's that. Biden backed a possible push to pass election legislation in the final days of the year. Quote, there's nothing more important domestically than voting rights, he says. It's the single biggest thing. The idea of using a temporary filibuster carve-out has gained traction after Manchin and Cinema voted to use a similar tactic, as I said, to pass that debt ceiling increase. Democrats have tried to pass federal voting rights legislation this year after several states have passed oppressive voting laws, but Republicans have blocked their efforts, insisting states should control elections. Because... Republicans know that when people vote, Republicans lose. All right, we'll be right back with Glenn to discuss a ridiculous tweet from the Washington Post about the Department of Justice. And uh, later, I'll be joined by Amy Carrero for the good news. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. They bring you professional online counseling when and where you need it most. Where can be anywhere because it's virtual. It's online. And support is crucial. Uh, especially for our mental and physical health. My experience with post-traumatic stress has taught me it's much better to get professional guidance than to try to fix problems on your own. But asking for help can be tough. It can be hard. Uh, But but it's easy with BetterHelp. You can message your counselor anytime from anywhere in the world, get timely responses. You can schedule weekly meetings by phone or video. You don't have to drive or sit in an office. It's more affordable than offline counseling. They have financial aid available. And to get that best, greatest therapeutic match, you can change your counselor anytime for free. Visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one by user CO, who says, After only two sessions with Amy, I'm already feeling hopeful for an improved life with less anxiety. She has a very peaceful and thoughtful approach, and she's great insight and makes me see situations more clearly. She's great. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Daily Beans. And you can join the over one million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. And today's show is also brought to you by Cometeer, better coffee through science. It's amazing. It's frozen pre-brewed coffee in pocket-sized recyclable capsules, and you melt to make it. There's no equipment, no French press, no automatic drip machine, nothing. With Cometeer, you can always get barista-quality coffee or lattes. Um, My weak coffee that I used to drink through the drip machine, it was so I had to put a ton of cream and sugar in it because it was not good. But Cometeer is smooth and balanced. I drink it black. And they've discovered a new way to make coffee. After brewing, the coffee is flash frozen to preserve all its aromas and freshness. And then you take the little capsule and you melt it. 
And then you pour the melted coffee into cold water with ice to make iced coffee in 10 seconds flat or with hot water to make hot coffee. And lattes are just as easy. And Cometeer arrives each month with the best regional specialty roasters, enough capsules for 32 cups. It's the kind of delicious variety I always wanted. We have a special offer for you. For a limited time, you can get $20 off your first order, 10 free cups, and shipping is always free, but only when you visit cometeer.com slash beans20. That's cometeer, C-O-M-E-T-E-E-R dot com slash beans20. Now, I was skeptical at first. I mean, you, you melt it to make it, but cometeer is truly the best cup of coffee. It's one of the best I've ever had. Uh, if you like coffee at all, you have to taste it to believe it. That's cometeer.com slash beans20 to save $20 off your first order. A new day has arrived on earth for coffee. That's cometeer.com slash beans20. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Happy to be joined today by former federal prosecutor and, of course, host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, how are you? I'm good, A.G. How are you? I'm good. It has been an incredible week uh, of revelations, things we suspected, but now we know that the 1-6 committee has evidence of. Um, first breaking news I want to ask you about, this guy, this formy, former Army PSYOPs guy, uh, PowerPoint coup guy, Phil Waldron, has now been subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Uh, because he had told the Washington Post that he briefed members of Congress. He briefed, met with Mark Meadows eight to ten times, met with Donald Trump uh, to brief him on, on the, and that, you know, the, the coup PowerPoint I'm talking about. And then, of course, Lindsey Graham, he also was uh, was part of that briefing. And I was wondering what your top line thoughts are on him, because he seems pretty forthcoming, but he's still, you know, he's still a bad guy. Yeah. And he's running his mouth about this. I think, didn't he just brief one of the state legislatures on the same thing, like in recent days? So, you know, if he gets a lawyer and if that lawyer is worth his or her salt, they will say, plead the fifth dummy, because you're right smack in the middle of a big old conspiracy, whether it's a conspiracy to obstruct official congressional proceedings or a seditious conspiracy or a conspiracy to commit offenses against the United States under 18 U.S.C. 371. Dude, you're in it up to your neck. Invoke your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Now, maybe he's a knucklehead. He's bullheaded. Maybe he won't take that advice. But any lawyer he hires, and I assume he'll hire one, will give him that advice. We'll just have to see what he does. Does he show up to Congress? Does he, does he just blow off the subpoena like Meadows and Bannon? Does he get a bellyache like Clark? Apparently, it's a it's a long term chronic bellyache that Jeffrey Clark has. They just postponed his appearance again. Um, or does he testify? Is he proud of his work to try to overthrow our democracy? And, you know, the one thing I think we all need to remember is anything that any of these knuckleheads said or did, whether it's Jim Jordan, whether it's Phil Waldron, whoever it is. If they said it and they did it after the election, after Bill Barr, Donald Trump's own attorney general, said there's no fraud undermining Joe Biden's win, after Chris Krebs and after the Department of Homeland Security, Donald Trump's own appointees and agencies said this was the most safe and secure election in U.S. history. Everything after that is treason, not necessarily treason, but it sounded good. Everything after that that, that constitutes an attempt to overturn the election, the election's results in my book is criminal. So, you know, we'll have to see what Phil Waldron does, but I think he is in a heap of trouble. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of treason, uh, uh, yes, I mean, uh, that's what, you know, we've been saying here for a while. We said it about 2016. Judge, uh, was it Reggie Walton or Judge Sullivan? Judge Sullivan in the Flynn trial was like, could you guys look at treason for this? Um, however, as you and I have discussed and as I we put out in a thread and, and you've said in, in all along too, you could, as a prosecutor, you go after the things that you can prosecute, win and maintain a conviction on. And it seems like that what they're at least the one six committee is going after to perhaps criminally refer Donald Trump for is something called obstruction of an official proceeding. 18 U.S. Code 1512 C2, I believe, if memory serves. Uh, and she's been repeating this language over and over again. And uh, I think that's fascinating because you and I have discussed in the past that this is the same uh, 20 year max sentence statute 
that the Department of Justice is using against boots on the ground organizers. And when I say boots on the ground organizers, I mean like leaders of the Oath Keepers, for example. Uh, and, and, and they're using this instead of seditious conspiracy because it's just it's easier to prove than, than uh, seditious conspiracy. And recently a judge ruled that the Department of Justice can use that statute when a couple of Oath, Keeper, uh, Oath Keepers uh, filed an objection to it saying that uh, the certification of electoral votes is not an official proceeding. And the judge, a Trump appointee, Dabney Friedrich, laughed at them, <laughs> basically said, no, of course it is. And here it has all the trappings of an official proceeding and outlined all the reasons that it is. So, yeah, I'm 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 with you on that. And I find it interesting that Liz Cheney is using that language. And and now, like you said, Jordan's text, he, he now admits he sent that text and he sent that, as you said, after Bill Barr said this was BS and after the Department of Homeland Security, et cetera. But I think it's I find it very interesting that th that text is part of what was in the PowerPoint coup that Waldron is about to, well, January 17th, if he comes in and testifies, testify about or plead the fifth to. Yeah. And let's drill down down on the 1512 thing, the, the uh, obstructing an official proceeding. Because look, we don't know Phil Waldron from a can of paint, right? I, I, nobody knew who he was before his, you know, the how to coup in 12 easy steps was exposed. But we do know Jim Jordan. And what we know now is that Jim Jordan sent a text to uh, Mark Meadows on the eve of, you know, when people say this wasn't an official proceeding, you know, certifying the electoral college count vote to announce who the new president will be. You know what? A proceeding doesn't get any more official than that, quite <laughs> frankly. So the judges are right that this charge is properly brought under that statute. But when Jim Jordan on the 5th, after everything we know about the election being definitively declared secure by all of Trump's officials and agencies, he sends that text saying, hey, Mike Pence ought to just throw out any votes he thinks are unconstitutional. He should count them as no votes at all. You know, that precisely fits the language of 1512, which in one sentence is whoever corruptly obstructs, influences, or impedes any official proceeding or attempts to do so shall be in prison for not more than 20 years. You know what Jim Jordan did by sending that text on January 5th? He attempted to do so. AG, what kills me? I spent 30 years in grand juries and standing before trial juries. I kind of know a provable case when I see it. <laughs> All the department needs to do is get off its duff, bring these charges, present them to a jury, and they're going to win convictions. And bonus, they're going to be protecting our democracy in the process. So we're frustrated every day, but we still, I think, both you and I retain hope that this is where we're headed even if a congressional hearing is step one, you know, in what will be a five step process on the road to prosecutions. Yeah. And, and there was even yet another lawmaker still unnamed who sent a text on the 4th of November before the votes were even being finished, counted before they were finished counting the votes, saying the same thing. Hey, Georgia, Pennsylvania, throw, throw, you just throw them out. Can't Pence just throw them out? Uh, so, I mean, all of this, all of these lawmakers seem to be implicated in this attempt, at least an attempt to impede uh, a proceeding. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about what I discussed with uh, Pete Strzok, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? I will. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. How many hours do we spend inactive staring at screens at our desk or at the TV? But you could turn those otherwise inactive times into opportunities to burn calories. And that's exactly what I'm doing, thanks to my new Cubi, C-U-B-I-I. It's a compact elliptical unit that fits right under your desk or right in front of your couch. And you can pedal while you're sitting there staring at your screens. In fact, I'm using it right now and you can't hear it because it's whisper quiet. It's also super easy on your joints. And a recent clinical study says it helps burn 84% more energy than just sitting there. We all say I'd work out more if I had more time. Well, QB gives you more time. It's easy to burn calories and stay active anytime, virtually anywhere. Uh, and it's also perfect for anyone who might be housebound or otherwise needs something to help them improve circulation and keep active. So if you have a parent or a loved one 
who has limited mobility and needs a way to stay healthy, QB would be the perfect holiday gift. I love my QB, and I know you will too. Take advantage of QB's 30-day risk-free in-home trial. Turn your least active times into your most productive opportunities to stay healthy with QB. Visit QB.com slash beans to find the QB elliptical model that's right for you. That's C-U-B-I-I dot com slash beans. And today's show is also brought to you by Calibrate. There are some really dumb weight loss fads out there and they don't work. You yo-yo back and forth. It ends up being bad for your metabolism and bad for your heart. And that's where Calibrate comes into play. It is not a diet. It's not a quick fix. It's a year-long commitment that gives you the tools to fight your biology, your metabolism, right? Traditional diets don't work because you can't fight metabolism with willpower. Calibrate is different. It's a comprehensive, doctor-guided metabolic reset that promotes sustainable results through lifestyle changes. Calibrate is a fully integrated program combining classes and one-on-one video coaching, in-app tracking, and a community of members like you. Plus, medical care, including a video doctor visit. Calibrate works best because they combine doctor-prescribed, FDA-approved medications paired with lifestyle changes to improve your metabolic health. And it easily fits into your busy schedule. It's very convenient. Your goals are personalized and tracked by doctors and coaches, and you can check in with the app as often or as little as you'd like. Your weight does not reflect your willpower, so get back into control with Calibrate. Get $50 off the one-year metabolic reset when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at joincalibrate.com. That's $50 off when you use code DAILYBEANS at joincalibrate.com. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with the host of Justice Matters, Mr. Glenn Kirshner. Glenn, uh, I was just curious the other night, what was it that triggered the DOJ, FBI investigation into Hillary's emails for using a private server and not handing uh, things over to the National Archives. And Pete reminded me that what happened was, was and she turned all of her materials and emails over to the Benghazi Congressional Committee. The inspector general for the intelligence community went through all of those things to see what was classified and see what was not, found that there might be some relatively classified information, made a referral to the FBI. That's what opened the investigation. My thought on that is not that the FBI needs any sort of specific trigger to start investigating this shit. It's in the it's in the public. It's it's on the news. But all of the materials that Mark Meadows, including these texts from lawmakers, handed over to the one six committee before he clammed up uh, after Donald Trump probably gave him a call. I imagine there's somebody in, in the ODNI going through these texts to have make sure that they nothing needs to be redacted for classified information before it's released to the committee. That seems like the normal way that you would do things, because if any of those text messages contain very classified information, you would not want them going to Congress. And so making me wonder. And, and again, you and I have talked about this. How could the FBI possibly not be investigating these text messages? And if they aren't, Glenn, that is a real problem. Yeah, it's a dereliction of duty at a minimum if the FBI, a, a you know, component of the Department of Justice, is not criminally investigating what we all see unfolding in the harsh light of day. There is so much more evidence than is necessary to simply open an investigation, adequate predication, which is really, quite frankly, A.G., just a hunch. I kind of got a hunch that something might not be kosher. That's not exactly the way the FBI guidelines are written, but it's that, look, there's any evidence that a crime was committed, may have been committed, or may be committed, which is a little precog stuff. I think it's funky language, but you can have what we call inchoate crimes. They're not quite committed, like attempts or certain conspiracies. You haven't committed the substantive offense yet. It is such a low, low, low bar to open a criminal investigation I believe as I sit here, because I can't conceive of anything else being true, I believe as I sit here, the FBI, the DOJ is deeply involved in criminally investigating this. And they're probably doing it in what might be an unusual fashion, not just kind of subpoenaing all the civilians that can help build the case, but maybe they're going about it in a more covert way, in a more circumspect way. They could be presenting evidence through the testimony of FBI agents all day, every day to grand juries before they begin subpoenaing witnesses. That's an unusual way to investigate, but not unheard of when there are, you know, real 
concerns about not wanting things to leak. Because once you start subpoenaing civilian witnesses, stuff is going to leak. So as I sit here, I have to believe they're investigating. I can't conceive of them not. Yeah, and we have a grand jury in the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office for months that has been investigating the Kraken elite strike force. And nobody knew. And the only way we found out is that one of the people who testified to that grand jury spoke to someone, a member of the press. So, uh, yes, normally we would see somebody going into a grand jury or, you know, oh, hey, Bannon's walking into a grand jury in D.C. Uh, But we either might not be to that level of criminal yet or we just don't know. Uh, but I, I you're right. I can't conceive that they wouldn't be looking into this if they if they did a robust investigation into Hillary's emails. I, I can't see how this wouldn't be ha- have a, a sufficient factual predication to open an investigation into this. Um, and it would be dereliction of duty. And uh, I, I, I want to switch topics real quick and talk to you about the, a little bit because this has still got to do with the Department of Justice. But the Washington Post put out an article and they didn't call it an op-ed and they should have. They put it in their national security section and they tweeted out the following. Prosecuting Donald Trump's former chief of staff could create a precedent that hurts the Justice Department later. And my first reaction was I immediately opened the article and I did a, a control F to find the name Haldeman on that in that article, because if you're going to write uh, a piece about how the indictment of a chief of staff for the president could impact the Department of Justice. You're going to have Haldeman in there. Right. No, nothing, nothing about Haldeman. And so, I, you know, I read the article. It's it's weird uh, and doesn't doesn't make much sense to me. Uh, but they're asserting that somehow going after Meadows, either for contempt or for other stuff, would would set a precedent that would hurt the Department of Justice later. What kind of crap is that? Um, I, I don't understand what kind of crap it is, uh, but it is crap. Um, it, it, I guess they would advocate for declining to prosecute an obviously criminal chief of staff because I, I don't buy that it would hurt the department. I happen to believe you hurt the department when you turn a blind eye to obvious crime, particularly by high government officials from whom we expect better, who take an oath to faithfully abide by the Constitution, right? Support and defend, faithfully execute the laws of the nation and all that. So, you know, listen, I I guess as a thought exercise, I understand that when you um, prosecute a member of a former administration, there will always be an argument made by the other side in the future. You did it to us. We're doing it to you. Well, guess what? They should do it to us if the next administration has criminals in its midst, right? As chiefs of staff, as high government officials, or as president of the United States. I don't care if you carry an R or a D or an I behind your name. If you commit crimes, you need to be prosecuted. Just so happens that the whole batch of criminals that we need to hold to account right now happen to be Republicans. So, yeah, I don't buy it either. In theory, I understand the argument. But I think, you know, I've said before, you don't become a banana republic by prosecuting criminal politicians. You become a banana republic by declining to prosecute criminal politicians. So I couldn't disagree more with the Washington Post. Yeah, turning a blind eye to corruption is is being implicit in that corruption. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time today. Um t- what's coming up next on Justice Matters? So, just finished a, a video that we'll be posting shortly on Jim Jordan because I just absolutely love how his text precisely violates the criminal statute you and I have been uh talking about and that you did a long string tweet about. You know, and and again, it frustrates me because all it takes is a prosecutor to indict, walk into court, present the case to a jury, because those 12 people in the box, I believe, will be persuaded by the evidence that Jim Jordan was wrong and was criminal all day long for advocating that Mike Pence should just throw out Biden, Biden votes. You know, that, that's a crime. He ought to be held to account.
Yeah. And I just keep having it in my head that moment when Liz Cheney grabbed him in the in the chamber and said, you fucking did this. Yeah. And um, yeah, he wanted to be on the January 6th committee. Uh, so he, he'll get to hang out with him. Uh, but I, <laughs> it, it now it makes total sense why Pelosi got rid of him yes. and refused to allow him to be on that committee. All right. Thank you very much. We look forward to Justice Matters um, and um, we'll talk again soon. This is going to heat up. We've got these huge public hearings coming uh, early in the year. And um, I think that that it's the news is just going to get bigger and more bold, because if you consider that these were the texts he was willing to hand over and didn't conceal using signal, what what haven't we seen? What was on the burner phone? I'd like to know. Yeah, or how many burner phones. All right, thanks very much. Glenn Kirshner, appreciate your time. Thanks, AG. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. This final segment of The Beans is brought to you by Scribd. The struggle to find the right book or a podcast that you want to listen to is real. With an endless amount of content today, I regularly spend as much time looking for my next book as I actually do reading it, but not anymore thanks to Scribd. With Scribd, you get instant access to millions of ebooks, audiobooks, dissertations, court documents, magazines, and more, along with thoughtfully curated editor's picks and smart recommendations based on what you've read, which makes choosing your next book that much simpler. And it's all for one low monthly subscription. The ultimate reading subscription service letting you explore all of your interests in any format you choose is just $9.99 a month. It's less than what the cost of one book. I love using their service. I get to discover must-read new work from celebrated authors premiering exclusively on Scribd. And when I want to change things up, I can switch between titles, genres, and formats at any time, wherever I'm reading, whether it's my phone or my tablet or my computer. And right now, we're offering listeners of this program a free 60-day trial. Go to try.scribd.com slash AG for your free trial. That's try.scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D, dot com slash AG to get 60 days of Scribd for free. And today's show is also brought to you by Best Fiends, the best puzzle game ever. I'm obsessed. You already know I love playing this game. I play it whenever I get a break. It's really a good rest from all the stress and anxiety, especially during the holidays. Uh, it's a perfect pick-me-up when you need a break from the crazy holiday action. Best Fiends is entertaining. It's super fun. It's a great distraction. And I consider it part of my self-care routine. It has it all. Captivating storylines, beautiful, beautiful visuals, d- lovely, calming music, collectible fiends, and tons of fun puzzles. I can't put it down. It is the best puzzle game out there. Best part, you don't need Wi-Fi to play it. So if your holiday travel takes you to more rural areas or on planes that don't have Wi-Fi, you can still play Best Fiends in offline mode. So you have to check it out. It's my favorite mobile game. It's always interesting and challenging. I'm up to like level 4,000 now, but they have thousands and thousands of levels. More added all the time. You have to check it out. There's always a fresh challenge waiting for you when you need a mental pick-me-up. So you can download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Friday, and that means we are joined by Shira. Amy Carrero. Hi, Amy. Hi. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm it's it's rainy here, which I know it's so annoying when L.A. people are like, it's raining. But like, <laughs> it's not it's not great. It's it feels like it really fucks you. Like, I don't know how people on the East Coast survive the yeah, seasonal depression. Seattle. Right. Oh, it's, it's... God. No, I was just in Seattle and every day was like this. But I was indoors in like a you know, one of those convention halls. So it was sunny in there, but yeah. So it feels kind of weird. How was that convention? It was fun. I got to meet some really fun people. And um, I got to like, also, meet, I didn't really meet her, but I had my booth next to Amy Jo Johnson uh, of Pink Power Ranger fame. Mm. And that was pretty excellent. And I got to meet Tim Curry, <gasps> who I had no idea had a stroke several years ago. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So he's um, but he's you know, he's there. He's going to conventions and, you know, making making the best of his time. And it was super fun. I'm so glad I got to meet all the Seattle. folks, And they were all so nice. I was expecting people to be like, you fucking suck. You, you're the worst. But no one said that. They were all no, very I told nice. You. Didn't I tell you? I told <laughs> you, you did. You're worrying for nothing. They all love yes. you. It was and fun. yeah, Seattle's just a wonderful, amazing, oh, amazing yeah. town with incredible people. It really was. Um, all right, so we have some good news submissions here to get to, and I believe we have something that needs to be uh, settled in Amy's court. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. 
And uh, so that we'll, we'll get to that. And if you have anything you want to send in, if you have any disputes you need settled in Amy's court, or if you just want to share some good news with us, confessions, corrections, anything, you can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Amy, I'm going to go first with a yeah. submission from anonymous pronouns she and her about Jesus flipping the tables. <laughs> Part of the story that people tend to skip over is that before he did that, he braided his own whip to use while throwing the money changers out. That takes a hot minute. It gives me a mental image of Jesus braiding leather and seething while the disciples are chanting, somebody's going to get it. Somebody's going to get it. Uh, Is it sacrilegious? Yep. Is that image still hilarious? You bet. Thanks for all you do. (laughs) You know what? I don't think this is sacrilegious. I think this is good. This is the kind of like imagery we need. If if we're going to just not hate religion, because if you think about it, that's what happened. I mean, like you have to be really fucking pissed off to be like, I got to find leather. I got to braid it and then I'm going to use it. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that submission. And uh, we've been talking, by the way, all week, Amy, about uh, Jesus flipping the tables uh, of the change makers. I love so. it. Jesus was right. maybe an anti-capitalist. We don't know. We're, we're not sure. It's too <laughs> soon to tell. Um, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, for sure. For sure. It's so funny because my husband's in college and he has I, he has a capitalism book that I moved so you wouldn't see it in the back of this. <laughs> he he he. Okay. Um, next up for Mimi G, uh, which is my best friend's initials. Her name's Mimi and her last name's G too. Uh, she, her. Hello, my beans team friends sitting here watching Rachel and I spy my six month old kitten and I seize the opportunity to snap a find the cat pick. You know, a Christmas tree instantly equals a found the, find the cat pick, right? Yes, yes, I'm agreeing to that. Ever so slowly acting like I'm doing something else. Click. Yeah, I have a submission pick of Lily. I email it to myself, sip my beverage, and literally two seconds later, she is in my chair next to me and my 12 month old foster fail. Oh, Foster Phil, because she kept it. Okay, I get it. Uh, Foster Phil Archie saunters his cat self towards the tree. And sure enough, I captured submission. Find the cat pick number two. Yes, I got my kitten, (laughs) a kitten to play with. And they adore each other with uh, which adds such joy to our lives. So here's a find the cat pick. Since you can't see them all that well, I'm including a Halloween-ish pick snap moments before the in-laws, I call them outlaws, came for a visit. I added the flash to make sure their eyes glow so they would look somewhat demonic in the shot. (laughs) Good, good call. (laughs) So a two for find the cat, a Halloween pet tick or pick, and a good news for the Grand Slam. The Hubs and I were able to get back to doing our holiday boutique shows in person this year. Oh, this is so Ooh. great. Our little side craft biz sustained us during COVID and I am grateful we were able to participate in some of our best shows recently and it felt great. We make decorative pennant, is that how you say that? Pennant mm-hmm. pillows as a side hustle. Honestly, without it, we would have been lost. We were sewing and shipping as fast as we can and are so thankful for the support of our customers who appreciate the handmade. Please check out our website, www.penantpillow.com. I would love to send you some Daily Beans pillows as a thank you for all that you do and have done to educate us, unite us, and keep us focused in the fight for our democracy. You are an important part of my daily routine, and I am so thankful to you and the Beans teams for all that you do. Whoa. Okay, first of all gorgeous tree it's beautiful and i am trying to find the find cat. the cat impossible is the cat green wait <laughs> what what the fuck is the cat oh i see the cat where oh okay the by cat. the gifts okay yep, by the gifts it. but she said there was two is it in the same picture or is it a, yeah it must i oh maybe maybe the one is there another one that you see that black sort of blob on the far right is that a cat? <laughs> I can't tell if there's supposed to be two tell. pictures and one got left off or Maybe. if I'm totally missing the second cat. But I found the one. Does I this pillow smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> <laughs> Look at these two. Oh, my Very God. They're so cats. funny. Oh, I love him. Thank you love, for that submission. Love. This is wonderful. That's that is really good news. Um, yes. And um I'm I'm so glad that you were able to do that. And it's just fun making stuff, right? Creating and making yeah, stuff. It really is. All right. Up next from 
Anonymous, pronoun she and her. Hey there, I wanted to share a favorite recipe. Ooh, for Ooh. candied cranberries. Ooh, I'll take that. I stumbled on this snack mix in the Better Homes and Gardens magazine a few years ago, decided to make the cranberries. Now I'm asked to make them every year. They're sweet but tart, perfect for adult palates. You can do a Google search for candied cranberries, Better Homes and Gardens to find the recipe, but I included pics of the recipe just in case. I also included a pic of one of my cats. When we got him, he looked like a squirrel, skinny body with a fluffy tail. And he grew into a beefcake, the beefcake you see before you. He is the Fabio of cats. Gorgeous. (laughs) We don't know his breed because he was a stray, but pretty sure he he isn't Maine Coon as he doesn't have the face. Best we can figure is he's a Norwegian forest cat. His coloring seems unique as well. If any listeners have any insight, I'd be happy to hear it. Anyway, happy holidays to all. Oh, look at his baby. Oh, wow. That's a gorgeous cat. Really is. It's like a Maine Coon with a ragdoll face. I would say this might be a ragdoll. I love it. Oh my Beautiful god. Oh, these look delicious. They Candy really cranberries do. and cranberry syrup. Oh, oh, cool. I couldn't even picture them, but gosh, they sound incredible. Mm, yes. So the um recipe is here for everyone uh to look at in the show notes for patrons. So there you have it. Oh, you're gonna need a vanilla bean. Delish. Mm. I'm already mm. there. Okay, next up from Anonymous, pronounce she her. Shit kids say. My 21-year-old daughter recently went to an Al-Anon meeting at someone's invitation. Her after-action review was hilarious. She went point by point on things she agreed with and then the things she didn't. And then she said, and of course, they did the Howard be thy name thing. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? She said, oh, you, you know, the Howard be thy name prayer at the end. Um, and I just want to make sure I was hearing it right. So I said, you mean the Lord's prayer? Yes. And you're saying Howard. Yes. You know, (laughs) Jesus H. Christ, Jesus Howard Christ. So I pulled up an image of the Lord's Prayer and texted it to her. I saw a light bulb come on and her mouth. Oh, hallowed. Oh, my God. We all needed that laugh so badly. For pod pet tax, I'm attaching a picture of our sweet running buddy, Lachlan Foster. His... His Christmas present is a doggy DNA test. You're welcome to give it a guess, but we don't know yet. Oh, I'm going to say Basset Hound Cocker for Spaniel. Sure. For sure. Done. And that is amazing. Howard That's... be thy name. And I think we have a new swear. Jesus Howard Christ. Jesus Howard Christ. I just love. Yeah, I love all the thinking or not thinking that went into that. But, you know, I forget that people don't grow up going to like church. Yeah. You know, yeah. I grew up going to church. I went to Catholic school. Yep, we had to like write it down. We had to write down the Lord's Prayer as a punishment, like over and over again mm-hmm. if we were bad. Yep, yep. Or say the rosary over and over again. Yeah. Yep. There's at How? least five of those Howards in that one. <laughs> <laughs> Hail Mary, full of grace. Lord's the heralds with you. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Our Father who art in heaven, Howard be thy name. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, next up, uh, and uh, we, this is a, a court case for Amy, and it's our final submission. So are you ready for Amy's court? Dun, dun. Dun. From Steve, pronouns he and him. If it pleases Judge Amy's court, I would like to petition your most truly amazing honor. Oh, that's nice. Mm. For a ruling in the case of Maud the Kitty, or Tuxie, as AG has dubbed her in previous Aww. submissions, v. The Couch. I submit as evidence three, these three photos of Maud and her new home atop our couch which you can see is on its side in preparation for being moved downstairs. Maud loves this new position more than any other. And uh, she has many others, but it's on top of a couch that we need to move. My wife and I don't want to kick her off this new perch where she can truly reign over us, as she has always wanted to do both metaphorically and now somewhat actually. But we also don't want to keep the couch there in perpetuity We are at a loss for what to do and therefore need the wonderful, brilliant guidance of your honor, the exalted one, Judge Amy. Help us, Judge Amy. You are our last hope. I know I was doing Galaxy Quest when you wanted me to do Star Wars, but you are our only hope. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. That is really freaking cute. I would not know. Okay, you've got a couple options here. One of them is not really sustainable. You can keep the couch there, but that's not sustainable. I'm assuming you're, at some point you will want to have people over or just want access to those books behind the couch. So that's not an option. 
So I, I'd go for option number two, which is, you know, I don't, I'm assuming that the problem is not, you know, the cat is on top and we need to move it. It's just that the cat likes the couch. So, because you can move it whenever the cat's not on the couch. However, okay, what about this? What if you took like the top off of that and put it on like a cat tree? Is that what it's called? A cat tree? A cat tree, yeah. But so then, you, maybe, then, you, then the couch is ruined. Then the couch is ruined. Oh, they're just moving the couch. They're not getting rid of the couch. Oh, that's a problem. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think the cat, I think Tuxie's just shit out of luck on this one. I mean, maybe keep it through Christmas and then, you know, take it down while all the decorations come down and all the joy is gone. And I might have a, a somewhat of a solution. Okay. First of all, this is hilarious because the couch is on its side long ways, making it very tall. Cat is perched on top of the couch. When I was moving my dresser out and someone came to pick it up, there was about a day between me having to move it out of my bedroom so the new dresser could get there and the before the person could come and pick it up. So it was in my living room uh, and it was standing on its end like that. And my tuxie, who's, by the way, sitting right here as we speak on my pen Aww. and notebook, uh, working, decided <laughs> decided that was his favorite perch as well. So the cats like to be up high. They're arboreal, arboreal. So what I recommend, and I can't really see a picture of the entire room, but in that in that last picture, Amy, mm -hmm. uh, to the left of the bookshelves, if you have room above the light switch, mm -hmm. can you put a, a, a big shelf on the wall and maybe mm. upholster it with a similar fabric, fabric. Yes, to the couch? Yes. Um, yes. And uh, I, I don't know if if. Um, if, oh, wait, I've forgotten the cat's name already. Oh, Maud. I don't know Maud. if Maud got up here on her own or you placed her up here, but if she got up there on her own, she can get up on that shelf just made for her on her own. Mm -hmm. If not, you can put little steps on the way up, little tiny shelves so that she can make her way up there. Oh, what a cutie mm. patootie. I know, the Look face. That face. The markings it, are amazing. Yes. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough one because, you know, our pet rules our house too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's a good, that's a really good idea. And I'm sure you could get a similar uh, pattern of fabric um, if you'd like. And, you know, if you don't want to cut up your couch, which was my suggestion, I think that's a really good compromise. Yeah. Or maybe we could get, um, let's see here. Let us scrolling back, scrolling back. Maybe we could get Mimi G to mm. make a pillow. <gasps> hey, mm. that's a really good idea. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, th that would be my thought. Uh, replace, the, move thought. the couch and replace it if you're able to with something else tall for her to perch on. Because mm -hmm. I'm assuming that maybe Maud doesn't have a cat, cat tree or mm -hmm. is it just because it's new? You know, we'd be like, oh, this is new. But yeah, I, I, I would do that. That's a good idea. Could be. All right. Well, thank you all for your submissions. This has been wonderful. <laughs> good tale. <laughs> if you have anything else that you want to submit. Uh, to us, uh, sorry, I'm petting, I'm petting my tuxie right here as we speak. He's again sitting on my pen. Yes, thank you. Um, being very productive, supervising the podcast today <laughs> is is Bruce Willis. Hello, yes, hello. Uh, if you have anything you want to send to us, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Uh, Amy, do you have any final thoughts? I have to say, I read a. It's not good news because it's an obituary, but there's something going around oh. the interwebs today that I just couldn't get enough of had to read it out loud to anybody who would listen. So if you haven't read the obituary going around on Twitter, I'll retweet it. Um, but it's, you know, a son who very lovingly, very, you know, snarkily wrote uh, just about the best, most surprising obituary for his mother that anyone could write. So that's bringing me a lot of joy today. Yeah, we'll see about. Uh, OK, so what? Uh, tell everyone your your Twitter so that they can go and find it. It's at A-I-M-E-E-C-A-R-R-E-R-O. Carrero. And oh um, yeah, and I'll and I'll retweet it because it's just so good. And it's best read. Oh, actually, I did retweet it. Maybe not. I don't know. I'll do it again. But it is the truly best thing I've read in so long. It's great. Yes, it is. I, I have read it and I concur. I'd read it now, but it's pretty long. It's long. It's long. It, yeah. But it's so well worth it. It's well worth yes. the read. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, this Sunday on Muller, She Wrote, um, we have... Uh, Pete Struck is going to be joining us Ew. Uh, along with, I think, maybe the lawyer who is uh, filing the lawsuit on behalf of Michael Cohen. So we have a lot of really cool stuff going on this weekend with Muller. She wrote in the MSW Book Club, the penultimate episode of the MSW Book Club. 
the following week, we'll be joined by the author himself, Colonel Alexander Vindman, to answer your questions. So everybody tune in for that. And uh, until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. And I've been Amy Carrero. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.